Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Brother Don, what we'll do then is turn to the remainder of our Bible instruction time over to you. Thank you, Billy. It's nice to be here this morning. I, I'm going to ask you to turn to the Gospel of John, a very familiar uh, book in John chapter number one. John's Gospel chapter number one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the light which gives every light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right or the power to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. We'll stop reading at that point. Each year I struggle with how best to tell the Christmas story. I uh, sometimes find that alliteration helps. If you're inclined to ever prepare something with alliteration, I think you're going to find the P's to be particularly useful. This morning, I want us to consider this based on, first of all, the plan, the purpose, the prophecy, the proclamation, the parents, the problems, and then the promise. Let's start with the plan. This was planned by God in eternity past. The psalmist in Psalm 40 expresses it this way, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened, burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law 
is within my heart. If you trace the life of Jesus Christ on planet Earth, you'll discover that the law in the bosom of Jesus Christ was never, never broken. Then we go to the book of Hebrews for confirmation. Hebrews is often referred to as the translator, translating the things that are hidden to some measure in the old and revealed in fuller measure in the new. Hebrews 10 expresses it this way. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but here it is, but a body, now we know how, a body you have prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O oh my God. This plan was executed perfectly at the exact time. To the Galatians, Paul says, this is how it happened. In the fullness of the time, when that had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Have you ever wondered what the world must have looked like at this precise time, this fullness of time, when God sends his son stepping into time itself? I went to a resource on the website, an academic resource, and here's what they had to say about it. By the time of Jesus' birth, the Romans had established a two-tiered system of government consisting of Roman overseers and Jewish leaders who exercised control in the name of Rome, kind of a government inside of a government. This was the system of power in which the family of Herod the Great grew to prominence, although half-Jews. The Herodian family was detested by the Jewish people for its tyrannical rule and also because of its key role in selling out the Jewish heritage to a foreign power. One of Herod's sons, Archelaus, was so brutal in his exercise of power in Jerusalem that Rome replaced him with one of its own governors. You remember this guy? Pontius Pilate. God placed him there who is to play a significant role in the crucifixion of Jesus. Another of the sons, Herod Antipas, was responsible for the beheading of John the Baptist. It was the same Antipas who is accredited with the mocking of Jesus at his pre-crucifixion trial. And so they conclude that Judaism at the time Christ stepped into time was a complex mixture of social, political, and religious ideologies. And among them, we find a number of key groups of people. First of all, there was the zealot. The zealot movement had the idea that they needed to overthrow the government of Rome. Then there were the Sadducees. They were the great pragmatists of the day. They sought to conserve their wealth and power through compromise with Rome. Then the Pharisees, remember those people, they were in many ways, the idealists of Jewish society. Most of the scribes and the theologians of the day were numbered among them, men like Nicodemus, for instance, who sought to live a life of spiritual purity by a meticulous following of the Jewish law. So, in your recall, in so doing, they became hypocrites, and the Lord called them out. Finally, we don't hear about these folks too much, but they were the Essenes who solved the problem of Jewish identity 
by deciding to live in a monistic like setting. So the years of the plan. Now, what is the purpose? A carefully laid out plan that had a very precise purpose. First of all, the purpose was to bring salvation, not to make the world a better place in which to live, but rather to deliver men spiritually from this world system. To the Galatians, Paul wrote that Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. Salvation first to the Jews. Remember the angels told Mary, and she will bring us forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Then to the Greek, Paul wrote, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek. Then to the Gentiles, Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas said to the Jews, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Behold, we turn to the Gentiles. And now it's ultimately open to the entire world. John in his epistle said, and he himself is the propitiation, the satisfaction of divine justice for our sins, but not just for ours, but also for the whole world. And that Salvation with Christ brought certain things. Freedom, freedom from the curse of the law. Paul wrote, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of spirit through faith. Freedom from sin. Paul wrote, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. Freedom from death itself. The writer of Hebrews says, as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, the babe in Bethlehem's manger, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release them or deliver those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And then it brought peace. Isaiah wrote that the child would be known as the Prince of Peace, first peace with God. Paul wrote, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then the peace of God. Paul wrote that through Jesus Christ, we can have the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Love and joy for God so loved, a love that the world has never yet known. We sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. But Jesus did not come the first time as the reigning king. The world is yet to experience the joy about which the Christmas carol writes. Notice what he writes. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. A day is coming when that will 
be fulfilled. Most babies are born to live. Yet this baby was born to die. That through death, burial, and resurrection, he might bring joy to those who trust in him. Another Christmas carol declares, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. And Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And to the Philippians, Paul writes, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And then hope. Another Christmas carol. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Another hymn writer writes, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Hope in Jesus Christ strengthens us each day, knowing that we can be found casting all our care on him, for he cares for us. We have hope for tomorrow, knowing that through faith in Jesus Christ, we are promised an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that doesn't fade away, and it's reserved in heaven itself. So now we come to the prophecy. God proclaimed his son's birth 700 years before it ever took place. He proclaimed the place of the birth. Micah writes, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you were little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from ever lasting. He proclaimed the nature of his birth. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The son was given before the child was ever born. God promised the coming of his son to Moses. To Moses, the, the Lord said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. Then we come now to the proclamation. The heavenly host proclaimed the birth of Christ. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Then the shepherds in the field, do not be afraid, the angel said. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. To wise men, where is he who has been born king of the Jews, they said. For we have seen his star in the east, and have come to worship him. To all mankind. This is an event that placed an indelible mark on history. In a website, Biblical Archaeology, we read the terms B.C. and A.D. stand for before Christ and Anno Domini, which means in the year of the Lord. These terms are used to mark years and Gregorian and Julian calendars with the birth of Jesus as the event that divides history. Now we come to the parents. 
First of all, Mary, a virgin from the family of David, especially chosen by God. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, Isaiah writes. According to the Hebrew text, a young maiden, it really is not translated, I guess, virgin, but young maiden. Some have made a great thing out of this, but that does not preclude the fact that this young maiden would indeed be a virgin. Remember what Mary said to the angel, how can this be? since I do not know a man. Mary is a woman who was known for her spiritual insights. We read Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary is the one who said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my savior. And then there's Joseph, an honorable man. He also from the family of David, he made responsible decisions. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. He obeyed God. Then Joseph, being roused from the sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus as he was instructed. We often think about children being born into homes and what's really important. Should they be people of means? Should they be people of higher education? Well, those things can be very helpful. But think about this just for a minute. What was the most important thing to God in choosing parents for his son? Well, first of all, they were both from the family of David. This was needed to fulfill God's promise made to David. The psalmist declares, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to my servant David, your seed I will establish forever and build up your throne to all generations. Selah. David's throne. Though very poor, though very poor of modest means, they were godly, caring, responsible parents. That's what matters most. Your toddlers don't have a clue how wealthy you are or what you may or may not have. What they really care about is that their mom and dad very truly love them and care for them. Now that deals with the problem. And there were some problems here, some serious problems. Remember, the world was in turmoil, all these different sects, all these different ideologies. But with the problem, comes God's solutions. First of all, problem number one, the Son of God must become flesh to die, yet sinless to redeem. Oh, that's a monumental problem, is it not? He must become flesh to die, yet sinless to redeem. And here's God's solution. A child conceived of the Holy Ghost. What did the angel said to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Here's how one of the Christmas carol puts it. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Please as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. 
then the Son of God must be heir to David's throne. Yet he was not of Joseph's biological seed. Here's God's solution. Joseph adopted Jesus as his legal son. An heir to David's throne, he registered his name in the royal genealogy in Bethlehem, but he went there to be taxed and accounted for. Joseph raised Jesus in Nazareth as a Jewish son. They observed the ordinances, that of circumcision. They observed the Passover that God had designed for his people. You remember, we find him there in the temple discussing with the doctors of the law. The place of birth needed to be Bethlehem, yet Joseph and Mary didn't live anywhere near Bethlehem. God's solution? He moved an entire nation to ensure that his son would be born exactly where the prophets had indicated. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place with Quirius, who was governor of Syria, so all went to be registered. Everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth and Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he, according to God's design, was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished. For her to be delivered and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And then finally that leads us to the promise. First of all to Israel, a nation in captivity. Here's what Isaiah had written many years before. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Remember what Andrew said to Simon Peter, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. One of the Christmas carols goes this way, Thou camest, O Lord, with the living word that should set to thy people free. But with mocking scorn and crown of thorn, they bore thee to Calvary. Israel was looking for a savior to deliver them from the physical bondage of Rome. Yet they rejected the savior who came to free them from the spiritual bondage. Remember what the Lord himself said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. There's a promise to anyone who receives him as their Savior, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. A free gift delivered in the fullness of the time. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable, indescribable gift, Paul writes to the Corinthian believers. 
And along with the Christmas carol, maybe there are those who would sing this, Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus. There is room in my heart for thee. If you find him the first time, you will find him the second time. Here's a precious promise that we cling to. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or dwelling places. If I were not so, I would told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And if you've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, you can sing along with the writer of the Christmas carol, My heart shall rejoice, Lord Jesus, when thou comest and callest for me. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We rejoice at his birth the first time. We look forward to the time when he's going to gather his saints. And then the time when we can say he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove. Let's pray. Father, indeed, we're thankful for this blessed Holy One who was conceived with the Holy Spirit, who came as planned with a purpose of proclamation, with godly parents, with promises. My, what an amazing plan salvation is. And it all began way back in the councils and eternity past and executed perfectly at exactly the time it needed to take place. We trust, Father, that those of us who have received you as Lord and Savior will again rejoice in it all. And perhaps those who have not, consider the claims of Jesus Christ, our Lord. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.